know, you can praise Him even through the storm. You can praise Him even when you don't feel like it. You can praise Him even when you don't have the strength to get through. It is precisely in moments like these when the strength that is found in someone else you can hook up your little bit of faith with their great faith at that moment. And it elevates you. It soothes you. It heals you. And that's what we're experiencing here this, this morning. The presence of the Lord has filled this place. Heaven has been moved by the praises of His people. And from our place of brokenness, from our place of being empty, we give to the Lord the very best that we can at that moment. And God honors that. Shows up. Embraces us. Encourages us and builds us. There's no mystery to that. There's no formula. You send praise first. You worship the Lord first. Lift Him up in your life. Just lift Him up. You can feel the chains falling off. Lift him up. You can see the darkness and feel the darkness dissipate. Lift him up. And the enemy will flee. Hallelujah. Lift him up in your life. Come on, praise the Lord with me. Put your hands together. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Duke. Thank you, Reverend Isaac. Thank you, team. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in this place. Hallelujah. There comes a moment when we just let to let the, the praises take over. <laughs> Amen. And they could do what you and I could never do individually. Um, and, and it's just a sweet aroma. Don't, don't, don't you feel like you must have come here filled with tension and you feel like the tension just leaving and, and, and de-stressing all of a sudden. That's what God does. That's what a church experience should be. It should not be of anything else but inviting the presence of the Lord here into this place. Isn't God good? Isn't God good for today? Isn't God good for right now? Great God. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that you're with us and those watching us as well. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it. Goodness and mercy will follow us every day. Hallelujah, that's what God does. And I'm so grateful to the Lord to be alive, to be here with you, to see you in this place, and, uh, and to experience mutually the presence of the Lord in this house. I'm excited about what God is doing. It's been a long journey, but we can almost, almost start to see the other side. Stay with it, stay with us, stay connected with the Lord, and you're going to see mighty things happening. Uh, today is a special day on the calendar of this country. This is, uh, what's today? Hallelujah. This is a very special day. Misunderstood day, but a very special day. Since 1969, although it will be 1970, until this year, every year, I've celebrated the love that my wife and I have for each other. Appropriately, by the way, guys. Hallelujah. Still not too late, too late to get the chocolate and the card and the flowers and, uh, because it's significant. And I want to talk today a little bit about the significance of love. There is a love like no other. That's what I titled the sermon today because it's Valentine's Day. 
And uh, if we look back a little bit at the history of Valentine's, it's, um, it isn't just Valentine's Day, it's St. Valentine's Day. And the Catholic Church was very wise in being able to begin commemorating this day and putting it on the calendar. But I think through the years, like so much happens, uh, things get skewed. And in and, and our American world, I, I love the USA. I just love the USA. But there's, this country has a propensity to turn everything into profit. And we sometimes lose, I mean, I feel sorry for turkeys on Thanksgiving Day. I feel sorry for all the mer mer merchandising that happens during Christmas. And, and all. this country just has a way of turning everything green, turning it towards money. And sadly, the commercialization of Valentine's Day has diluted from the real meaning and significance. So bear with me for a few moments as we go into a little bit of history uh, so that we can place it in the right place. And then I'll, I want to share with you some things about this love unlike any other. Because the Catholic Church, in its wisdom, was able to insert St. Valentine's Day. And St. Valentine being the patron of passion and of love, affection, emotionalism, in the sense of uh, a growing, nurturing emotionalism, that was St. Valentine's. And so the Catholic Church placed on the calendar this time, this date, on its ecumenical calendar, in order to celebrate this person, St. Valentine. And the purpose that the Catholic Church had in putting that, that, this event on the calendar was not really to make Hallmark famous or rich or to uh, uh, have uh, 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 gardeners cut uh, roses so that people come. That was not the reason at all. The reason for the Catholic Church putting St. Valentine's on the calendar was really to bring the unity of the body of Christ, to celebrate the presence of love in the church, but also to use that presence of love to impact the world. And isn't it true that we're living in a time where people are looking to so many places for love, but few are looking for church as a place of love. This is where we're living in. I marvel at people that are, are not clergy and yet they get registered to do weddings because their friends and families don't want to go to an altar. I wonder why. They'd rather have Panchito, Piquito, or Junior, or whatever the name of the family member is, get registered and, and do this ceremony that they've never done before. They couldn't play tic-tac-toe before, but they want to celebrate a ceremony. Um, that's the world that we're living in. And I'm telling you that if, if at any time society needs God, it's actually now. We've allowed the narrative in, on the public square to divide not only our country and our world and our families, but also the church. It, it has, uh, it has uh, uh, penetrated the very uh, uh, sanctuaries that are sacred for the glory of God and allowed this uh, humanistic way of operating and this financial way of being, where it's about the bottom line, rather than understanding the true meaning of some of these very significant um, holidays that have been placed on the religious calendar, one being St. Valentine's Day. So the purpose of it from the church, the Catholic Church, and they've done good things here, is to really get clergy and get uh, uh, the fellowships, the people that got together, to realize that we have a burden to be able to showcase to the world what love is really like, what love should be. And today we're living in a time where people look other places, but the last place they look 
is at the church. We're so busy fighting with each other, we don't have an opportunity to showcase love to anyone. We're so busy preaching one thing and then not living what we preach the next day, and the world is going crazy, and there's no place to go. Amen? And I serve an indictment on ourselves. We need to make sure that we are very careful. There is a reason, a God-given reason, why God has allowed in this past year so many things to be disassembled. And we have to be careful. That's why the theme, let's hear God. Let's make sure we hear God. Because I don't want to put back together things just because we used to do it that way in the past if that is not what God wants us to do. We need to be careful. And right now, churches are hurting because we can't gather here. We would like to, you know, fill the place up with chairs again. But we can't. Why did God dismantle that? Uh, right now, we're striving to shorten our, our services as much as possible with still giving honor to the Word of God and to our time of worship because we want to make sure that everybody's as safe as possible. We wear our masks all the time. We do what we need to do. Why did God dismantle that? That's the question I've been asking of the Lord. Because we've seen so many things being dismantled. We need to be careful not to put back together and put in place those things for the past just because we romanticize the past. Because I submit to you perhaps, just perhaps, just perhaps, the things that we thought were religious in nature were really traditional or cultural or the pressures of society on us and not what God would want. I've posed a question to myself, and when I, was, when, I was, when I teach in seminary, I posed the question, if Jesus would walk into our worship services today, would he ask the following question, what is going on in here? Or would he feel at home? Because oftentimes we point the finger of commercialization to the outside, but we might be just as guilty. And so I think that we need to realize once again that one of the foundations, one of the primary foundations for the church is to understand, unlike, unlike Hallmark and unlike the gift giving back and forth, what love is really about. Because love is the currency of the church. Love is the currency of the cosmic. In other words, God in heaven saw a need in humanity and because of love, he limited himself and was born in a manger. Because remember, God is limitless. He's not subject to time. He does not get old. All, all knowledge, uh, he's a fountain of knowledge. All knowledge uh, uh, emerges from him. All wisdom emerges from him. All life emerges from him. He is beyond our human understanding to comprehend how wide, how deep, and how amaz amazing and awesome God really is. And God, in that cosmic uh, reality, with no barriers or limitations, decided to limit himself and be born as a human being, not as being born as a king, but being born as an, as an infant, fragile, dependent upon others. Why? Because of love. Amen. The whole narrative of the cross, the whole story of the gospel is really propelled from a loving God, loving his creation and trying to extend himself to redeem it again. So I submit to you that perhaps we need to get back to basics and start examining once again this concept called love. And for us, it is vitally important because in the epistles of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of John, the epistles at the end of the New Testament, we find there that the writer, inspired of the Holy Spirit, makes the following premise in those three epistles that he writes, those three books that he writes, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, he makes the following premise, which we have to stop for a moment and, and contemplate it. He says basically the following, if you want to narrow it down to one statement. God 
is love. And if some of you are mathematical in any way, you can invert the equation, and if God equals love, invert the equation, then love has to equal God. If that is true, which I'm telling you it's true, then perhaps if we want to be a better lover, rather than study books about love, look at the book about love. I guess if we want to be a better lover, and I don't mean sexually there, I'm talking about, and we'll unpack it in a minute, lover in life, then what I need to do is instead of trying to find what Dr. Phil says, and maybe Beyonce, as some of you are students of Beyonce, you can say amen, or even Oprah. Nothing bad about them. I'm, not saying, I'm just saying, but if I want to find true meaning and significance of love, Maybe I need to go and sit at the feet of the lover of our souls, at the king of kings, at the true lover of creation. Come on, you can praise the Lord and clap for a moment because it's true. A love like no other. Love emanates from God. The very uh, understanding that we in our human, limited human capacity have of the cosmic being of God, whatever you want to call him, and I'm going to give you license right now. I call him God. call him the creator. But however you think of this source of eternal energy up there, everything that we can understand of him starts and finishes with L-O-V-E. That... that that's it. So if you want to be a better husband, a better, a better spouse, a better son, a better daughter, a better whatever person in life, and you want to have if the world, what the world needs now, and we'll sway back and forth, is love, sweet love, we have to realize that we're really inviting God into our reality. But we might not understand them the way we should. And I, and I want to talk to you a little bit about this because it's important for us today. And at the end, I'm going to bring it and bring it home to uh, connecting it with Valentine's Day because it is a very special day. But love, God is not just the lover of marriage. God loves single people too. God is not just the lover, wants to be the lover of people that think they got their old sexuality in order. People that even have frustrated sexualities, God wants to be the Bible says, for God so loved only people in the city. For God so loved only all people. For God so loved smart people. For God so loved rich people. For God so loved... No, for God so loved the world. So are you getting me right now? This is a wonderful time to preach the sermon because we need to get back into love. We need to get back into loving, and there's not agape. Agape is, it means uh, attributes of love. It's agapao, the actions of love. Because you, you've, you've heard it said, and you've maybe said it. Don't tell me how much you love me. Show me, baby. <laughs> Anybody guilty of saying that? It's not what you say. It's what you do. Because love is not love unless it has actions attached to it. We could be saying God loved, but unless he decided to limit himself and be incarnate, John chapter 1, and become a child born for us, it would not have mattered. 
You can say in your mind, oh, I love him, I love her so much. You never do anything to capture that love. It means absolutely nothing. You know, that, that, by the way, that's one of the frustrating things about this COVID thing that we're going through. One of the ways that we express love is to shake our hands and to hug and to be on each other and to be close to Proximity is important to us. And we've had to stay away because of this COVID thing. Right? Because that, that's part of who we are. Now, we're not going to start today. We have to wait still. But I can't wait till this thing is all over and we're all vaccinated or whatever it is that you're going to do, whatever you decide to do, and then we can start having some uh, less restrictions as we've had right, for, for, not, for right now. Keep your distance. I'll get too close. I won't get too close to you. But that's part of what, you know, the, the level of depression has gone up in this last 12 months because people are locked up. They don't have social interaction. In fact, let me submit to you the following, that psychologically, the way we're wired, we're wired in such a way that we seek affirmation through a connection with somebody else. We were created in the Garden of Eden to be social beings. That means that we need to have connectivity with someone else. That's why when you read that God created Adam, not too later on, God realizes that Adam was incomplete, and then God gave him a help me in order to be able to match him into that need that he had for connection with somebody else. Yeah, he didn't call you and create you to be lonely and alone by yourself. We need to be connected. We need to, be, we need to socialize. And that's the, the, uh, the, uh, the fuel for that is this love, this God presented. So I've selected a verse in, in John, 1 John, chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 3, the very first verse. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. It's saying very clearly to me that the only way to have the world know Him is that if we have been able to inculcate or put inside of us or internalize this incredible God in our lives, in our thinking, in our doing, in such a way that we don't even have to preach another sermon that people will say, those are loving people. I think we, we, we neutralize the power of the gospel if we're not a loving person. In fact, this, the verse for us tells us clearly, in my opinion, see. You need to be able to see what great love. It has to be something observable. It has something that, that we can see that it's tangible, that it's dimensional. That's why cards are wonderful. Make sure you do that. But it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not tangible. You touch the card, but a, t a card can't hug you. And if you think the heart card is hugging you, we need to find medication and a psychiatrist for you. <laughs> Makes you feel good. It creates an image, literary image that then in your mind, right? But in reality, what you and I are seeking is that embrace, that warmth, that connection with someone. Now don't start hugging people right away. That's not what I'm saying. There is a yearning inside of us that is either satisfied or left unsatisfied. And it needs to be seen. In fact, on that point, that love, this love like no other, is a love that needs to be seen. Romans chapter 5, Paul writing to the church in Rome, tells them the following, chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his great love. Show, God himself showed. He displayed. Now, that, that, you don't need to have any further training on how to lift up the intent of the author. It's that shows. That means it needs to be displayed. It's like a showcase. You're walking by a showcase, and you see it. Not, it's not just feeling. You have to be able to see it. God doesn't talk about love. God demonstrates love. God makes love tangible. 
And love is a concept that's so difficult to define. You know it's true. So difficult to define. That's why if you study even love in, in Scripture, they have uh, agape love. They have uh, philios love. They have all, all these different kinds of uh, 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 definitions or attributes of love because it's so complex it cannot be understood. But you know when you're in love and you know when you're not in love. Isn't that crazy? You, it's hard to define it, but you know. You know. It must be seen. The way you make love uh, tangible is through actions. Not through eloquent words. Write a poem, but give a hug. Write a letter, but make sure there's tangible things that we do to make love known. I have three, I have four grandkids, but I just love it. When I'm in their presence and, I, and, and they're in my presence, I wait and they know what I, especially my little one. I, I missed you. You did? I, I haven't seen a kiss yet. And then I'm like the happiest man in the world with all the kisses I get. Right? It has to be shown. It has to be shown. Remember that. It has to be shown. It has to be practiced. We have to make sure that we stay on it. Love needs to be seen. The church needs to be the showcasing place for love. The world finds it nowhere else. They might think they're finding it anywhere else, but they don't find it anywhere else because it has no meaning, no intrinsic meaning to their own personhood. And the church needs to be the one to have love made tangible through the actions that we do. Love like no other is not only a love that you can see, but it also is a great love. A great love. God, He's serious when He loves. He says, for He's soul, soul of the world. The, 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 uh, the rendering in English can only say it that way, so loved. In other words, the magnitude of his love and affection for his creation is so great that he had to only use the word so loved for us. If you look at Romans again, chapter 8, verse 37 through 39, uh, a vineyard of scripture that we, we quote often. And look at it, it says, it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So the way we become a measure above conqueror is that when we're lavishly loved by God and allow him to lavishly love us, it is his love that, takes, that increases our capacity and takes us to the next level of having a deep relationship with him. And one of the fascinating things about God's love is that God not only loves the good ones, we convince ourselves that God only loves the good ones. But I'm here to tell you that even when you misbehave, now let me change, even when we misbehave, God still loves us. That's the incredible thing about God. That no matter what you do, how you behave, what you... Anybody here ever made a mistake in their life? Let, let's have a moment of honesty. And for those that are asleep, wake up now, because this is a question that you should be raising your hand. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you made a mistake? You know what? Even in those areas where you made the mistake, God still loves you. You, you ever have people that, that they love you, but, hey, you got to love me back. God, when God gives love, he never takes it back. When God gives you blessings, he never takes it back. He gives it simply because you are his creation and he's madly in love with you and he's going to bless you beyond measure no matter what. That's a great love. That's a great love. That's a great love. He says, no, in all these things we are more, a measure above conqueror for, uh, through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, life, angels, demons, present, future, powers, height, depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate me. Take, it, take that literally. Separate, that may, and now, this is not a license to do a crazy life. Don't live a crazy life. Live a good life. 
But no matter what happens in your journey, where friends abandon you and friends don't, and family don't, don't even want to talk to you anymore, God will always be there ready to love you. I don't know about you, but if there's a moment in my walk with God that breaks me down, weeping is what I just stated a few moments ago, that even when we deviate, even when we, you ever thought things you shouldn't be thinking? You can say amen. Right? No matter where you go, where you, you feel like you're not worthy of, even there the Lord's love is so great that he wants to push all disqualifications aside and say you are still mine. I still love you. Hallelujah. That should bring you a sense of liberation today. That's great love. It doesn't, God's love, oh, this is just so much. Love, God's love doesn't have to be qualified. It just is. Or if you're from the hood like I am, it just be. Love, God's love just be. Doesn't matter where you've been and how many mistakes you've made and how many relationships you've been in and out of. And even you're talking about him or saying you don't believe in him. He still loves you. A love that is so great that it supersedes everything else. So it's a love we, can, we have to see. It is a great love. It is a love that lavishes on us. And here I have Psalm 31, verse 19. He says, Lord, how wonderful you are. You have stored up so many good things for us, like a treasure chest heaped up and spilling over with blessings. Can I tell you a secret? You have not yet received all the blessings that God has in store for you in heavenly places. That excites me. There are 20, 21 blessings that I haven't even been able to walk through yet that are waiting to be delivered and not by UPS. You can doubt, I'm living that way. I think God is, I, I'm highly favored, blessed of the Lord. I know things are, I'm a great life, a great wife, a great family, a great church, a great friends, everything wonderful. But God's not done. There's a storehouse, and I hope it's a huge storehouse, a Google-side storehouse, an Amazon-side storehouse, that God has blessings for me. And for, look at the text. He says there are blessings in store for us. But you know what happens? You say, well, yeah, but I want it and I want it now. Hold on a minute. If God is blessing there, but you're here in a place of disobedience, when the blessing falls there, whoever is near your place of obedience, but because you're in a place of disobedience, whoever is in the periphery of where the blessing is falling, they're going to be the recipient of the one that's going to receive the blessings that were in store for you because you were in the wrong place. Hallelujah. You can't expect God's blessing, Sunday blessing, if you're in Orchard Beach, not in the winter. <laughs> are you getting me? There are blessings in store for you. But it's just like UPS. There are things for you, but they're going to send it to the wrong address. Or you move and didn't tell anybody. So if you move out of the house of obedience and went into the house of disobedience or rebelliousness, or I'm going to do it my way, Frank Sinatra said, <laughs> when the blessings come down, you're not going to be there to receive it. Or, or you haven't increased your capacity to receive it. So here you are, God wants to give you this, but you have a little cup to receive the blessing because you have not increased your capacity to be able to receive the blessing of the Lord. But everybody's got a storehouse. You got a storehouse. Come on, say it out loud. I got a storehouse. I got a storehouse. 
of blessings that are for you this year. And those blessings are mind-blowing blessings. God wants to be able to lavish them. You have stored up so many good things for us, like, uh, like a treasure chest heaped up and spilling over with blessings for all those who honor and worship you. Everybody knows what you can do for those who turn and hide themselves in you. So he's a, a God that has a love that's, that wants to be lavished upon you, a love that is constantly giving even when we don't deserve it. I asked a question before, have you, have you ever done anything wrong or incorrectly in your life? And most of you said yes, right? When you were in that place, did you, did you still breathe? Did you see, still see the sky? Did you still feel the air blowing? Isn't God amazing? There's this thing called this general favor of God, which I won't get into it today because we don't have any time, but this general favor of God. And that means that God is so benevolent and so good that he blesses the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, for example, today, I'm sure today, this Sunday, there are people that are far from God, who don't even believe in, in God, but they're breathing. That's the general benevolence of God. When you fall off track and do what you shouldn't be doing and say things you shouldn't be doing and acting in a way you shouldn't be acting, God doesn't stop your lungs from working. In fact, he still allows us to oxygen in, carbon dioxide out. He doesn't stop us from being mobile. We're able to move wherever we're going, even to places of iniquity. God doesn't cripple us when we're going to the house of, of sin, a place of sin. He allows us to function. That's the general benevolence of God, that he blesses us no matter what. That's the lavish. He is constantly given, even when we don't deserve it, even what we deserve is opposite of what we are. What we, we, God still loves us. The church don't be like that. Family don't, aren't like that either. There's some people that the minute you get off, off, they don't want to know anything about you. Isn't it amazing that you do a million things right and you do one thing wrong and coworkers and family members only remember that one thing that you did wrong? God is not like that. God sees you as highly favored, as his creation, as the apple of his eye. He sees you as one that he wants to lift up and embrace and love and, and be able to carry through. That's God. God sacrificially reaches out to us. He wants to lavish us. He keeps on giving, keeps on loving. That's what St. Valentine's is all about. Love is not measured by how much you give, but rather how often the Lord wants to bless you. He doesn't just want to give you in a moment. He wants to give you way beyond mine, above and beyond what we can think or imagine. Think about that for a second. That's what God wants to do. So his love can be seen. His love is great. His love is lavished upon all of creation. We are recipients of a measure of love that oftentimes we don't deserve. But I submit to you my fourth observation on, on, on the love like no other. Love is also transformative. Love is transformative. I was, I've been pastoring for a long time. I'm going to go to my grave with so many confidential things I can't share. So let me see if I can share this one without giving you details so you can figure out who it is. I'm going to write a book that's going to be published after I go out to be with the Lord, which i got a long way to go, so don't worry. On the book and going home. But years ago, there was a couple here. Uh, you don't know them. Let me see how I can pack up the story. Yeah, actually, you don't know them because one of them is no longer around. Senior. They ended up uh, being widowed later on in life. And they walked around all mopey and, you know, especially the man. He was like, 
what am I going to do now? All of a sudden, the Chanel fragrance filled the room. <laughs> All of a sudden, the hair is made up. All of a sudden, they start to look and wear clothing to the people that are 30 years younger than them. Love has a way of change. You know people like that, and maybe you're guilty as well. You get, no, nobody else, that's it. I'm not going to, they walk like this, oh, and all of a sudden, they meet him or her, and they go, ooh, and then they even get a skit. <laughs> they used to walk with a cane, and they put it away. Can you say hallelujah for them? That's as much as I'm going to tell you of the story, so you won't pinpoint anybody. But love has a way of transforming us. You, you make yourself up. You find the best clothing. You laugh more. You know co-workers say, girl, what's going on with you? What happened to you? You've been sad for so long. Who are you dating? Who are you matching up with? You better be careful. And you start giving this wise advice. Love has a way of transforming us. Love has a way of changing us. In fact, I believe that's the purpose of love. Love makes us better. Love makes us experience life. And, and that's why when it hurts, it hurts deeply. Because it's trying to make us grow and trying to make us more significant and add value to us. And when it hurts, it really cuts deep inside of us. But love is transformative. John 13, verse 35 says, But by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And his statement here in John is talking directly to believers. And he's making a distinction between disciples and followers of Christ. Christ had a lot of followers. But to be a disciple of Christ, you need to be, you needed to be in an intimate relationship with Christ where you abandon the things that you thought were value, valuable in life and you prioritize him only. The disciples started out as followers in, as you study the disciples. But then the, they had to leave fishing and they needed to leave their daily li livelihood and they needed to spend 24-7 at the feet of the master to become a disciple. Disciple. Interesting. And we need to realize that he's saying here that they will know that you are a disciple of Christ if you love him. Because love is transformative. Church, people need to look at the church or look to the church for God's love. Nowhere else. We can't bottle it. We can't sell it. We have to demonstrate it. It transforms us. That's why it says in the text that when you come to Christ, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. You cannot continue living the way you were living before when you have surrendered to God's love in your life. Something has to change. You can't talk the way you used to talk. You can't act the way you used to act. You even have to start thinking differently because now you have been enveloped by this thing called love, which is God, all over your life. Because that confuses people where you say now you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're a follower of the Lord, and all of a sudden you still have the behaviors of the past. And you say, oh, oops, instead I'm slipping. I know I shouldn't be saying that. Right, you shouldn't be saying that. Stop it already. Imagine that. we got to be careful, in this, especially this time of social media. Watch out. You're still representing Christ. I'm telling you, let me leave it there. I'm going to get into trouble. you got to be careful. You can't just be saying things and acting because people act crazy. Don't you act crazy? People acting crazy. If you really are enveloped in God's love, 
It has to transform you. You can't have those conversations you had before. You can't. People start joking around. It's time to exit. Get out of that conversation. Go somewhere else. You know why? Because when it ends up going all the way down to the dirt, they're going to say, yeah, but so-and-so was with us. And it's, it's true. You've got to carry yourself as a lover of the Lord and one who has been loved of God. And there's certain things that you cannot entertain or get involved in if you really being, have been transformed by the power of God. If you're really walking as a disciple of Christ, a follower of the Lord. I know it got very quiet in here, and some people are getting, I see it's some squirming going on in the seats. But it's the truth. It's like me. I'm very traditional in my culture. If you're a Rivera, act like a Rivera. Walk like a Rivera. Talk like a Rivera. Right? There's a, there's a temperament to your family circle and the influence of your family on you. You need to be able to uphold. Right? I never want to get to a place where I embarrass the legacy of my parents by my actions. Are you following me? Same thing. Don't allow anything to influence you. He's loved us too much for all us to throw his love on the ground and trample on it. We need to uphold that standard and say, no, a follower of Christ behaves this way. A follower of Christ speaks this way. A follower of Christ moves this way. A follower of Christ decides this way. Oh, we got awfully quiet in here. Maybe I'll stay on this point till the rest of the... Hallelujah. Are we different or not? Because it says that we, it has to transform us. Everyone will know who we are. I think the worst statement that you can hear is your neighbor say, I never knew you were a Christian. Or a co-worker. We've been working here how many? 18 years? You're Really? You know what they're saying. What they're not saying, but what they mean? Heaven knows what you were, what you were involved in before or how you were displaying it. We've got to be careful. Just because they're, they're, they're joking around about so-and-so, he's available, she's available, shut your mouth. Lay hands on your head. Rebuke the thoughts. Walk away. Don't get involved in that. Come on. Is this too much for you? I'm not mad or trying to get it. I'm just telling you that's what the Bible says. I need to carry myself as an ambassador of Christ. Everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. You need to do, this church needs to do. Why? Because love is going to attract people. Love is going to show people that God really dwells in this place. I mean, you could have the worst singing talent in the world, but when you love, that attracts people. You could be the worst preacher in the world. Don't know how to conjugate your verbs, can't, can't, can't put an outline, but if, when you love people, remember, people will never remember your words. They're going to remember how you make them feel. How, did I feel the warmth from your heart? Did I feel you drawing me into you? Did I feel affirmed? Did I feel valued? Transformative love. It needs to, oh, I wish I could do an altar call today and call you up here. It's like a lay hand. I really do. Hallelujah, because it has to change. We cannot enter this year and carry out, speak to me, Lord, trying to go back to the old ways. We need to be different. We need to be different. We need to, some may have to close accounts, to dismiss relationships, and, and, and stop doing what we're doing because it's not honoring God. It isn't honoring God. We've got to be careful, church. We're going to be held accountable for that. Every time I, I write, because I'm writing now, I'm writing a lot of stuff now. I write it down. You know how many times I go over it to make sure that the meaning of what I want to say is on there. I don't just post things on, and I, I'm, I have a, a blog. And you know how many times I go through it to make sure, not just that my intent is in there, but God, that, you're, that God will read my blog. I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes God looks away from some of the things that we write. Because it's so embarrassing. That's not a child of the king. 
That's not someone re oh, it got quiet in here. I think we need to s increase security here for me later on. I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> not when it's truth. It's the truth. Come on, you can say amen for somebody else, but it's the truth. Hallelujah. We need to be transformed. We cannot be posting like that. We cannot be entertaining gossip and entertaining commentary when we don't know what's going on. We get It's entertaining, but this is not entertainment tonight. This is life. And his love for us is that way. Imagine God doesn't spill your stuff to anybody else. He deals with you directly. We need to be careful. It needs to transform us. And I'm here to tell you, church, life has been changed because of COVID-19. But I'm praying right now that you will be changed moving forward. The Christianity that you were following before was Christianese. It really wasn't a follower of Christ. We need to start making changes in our walk with God. What we thought was a correct walk with God and align with Him. His love is transformative. Let me wrap this up. So you can see it. It's a great love. It's a love that's lavished over you. It's transformative. It makes you, transformative means that you're not what you were before. It's this metamorphic kind of love that you become something more beautiful, more precious in God's sight. And then my final point, and that is that God's love is adoptive. Adoptive. Woo, adoptive. Ephesians 5 in the Living Bible says, His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family. I read this week uh, an interesting article on an interview that was had by, um, actually, Anderson Cooper. And I like reading people's stories when they interview them because, you know, you learn. And he made a statement that was, it was sad. It was actually sad. You know, he adopted a child. And, and, and as you know, uh, Anderson Cooper is in a relationship with another man or was. And he said that... Um, all of a sudden, the gentleman that he was living intimately in a relationship with him, they broke off the relationship because that person didn't want any children, but Anderson Cooper did. I'm not advocating same-sex anything. Don't start judging me right now. I'm just saying the story. Anderson Cooper said something very powerful. He said, you know what? Um, I've never had a family. Never had a family. You read the article. New York Times had a, a feature on him. I never had a family. He says, by my mother, and you know his mother, very famous, philanthropist, very wealthy, comes from a very wealthy family. She was very distant emotionally. His father died early on. His only brother, his only brother, connection to family, committed suicide. So for Anderson Cooper, the only semblance of any kind of family was this little child that he adopt, adopted, that now he was going to have to raise by himself. So Anderson Cooper decides to, he's going to include in this child's life and in his life as many friends and close uh, relatives that he, or people that he knew in order to create a family for him because he says, I don't want for him what I didn't have, this yearning for family that was never satisfied. And what I got out of that story is the following, that every single one of us has this little small voice about belonging. When God created Adam, the Bible says that he noticed that he was alone. Adam didn't even know that he was alone. So he created a helpmeet. We are intrinsically wired to be connected to people. We are intrinsically wired to yearn for relationship. It's hard to describe it because 
we can't describe it in human language. It's impossible. You can't describe God in human language to its totality, and God is love. But we know when we landed in a loving place. And each one of you that are here, those watching me on the other side of the camera, myself included, every human being has this yearning to be connected for socialization. In fact, we get all happy when we talk about, oh, in heaven, we're going to dwell forever. A whole community worshiping the Lord. When you lose a loved one, doesn't it bring you a certain level, I'm speaking from personal experience, bring you a certain level of peace to know that I miss you terribly right now, Mom. Miss you terribly. But one day, I'm going to be connected with you forever. Right? It does. I mean, it does to me. That brings a certain level of peace and, and okayness, if you will, because we all yearn for relationship. And there is a love unlike any other that will start you off to be the greatest lover that people have experienced. You know what? I think I'm a pretty good husband and a pretty good father and grandfather. I think to many of you here, I also represent that. But I've never read a book about being a better father or a better husband. And I read. I've read the book. And I've studied deeply about strengthening my relationship with God. And the direct result of that is that I've been able to be married, for as, happily married, for as long as we have. That my kids don't avoid me when I call them. That my granddaughters jump on me and my grandson jump on me to love me. That even some of you call me Abba and father and grandfather. But that doesn't because I became a student of how to be that. I became a student to go to the broken places at the feet of Jesus. And not pretend anything, but Lord, lavish me with your love. There's a yearning inside to connect with something larger than me. In you, it's the same way. I want to submit to you, you can be a better spouse on this Valentine's Day by yielding to that altar before the Lord and letting him make you a follower of him. You can be a better neighbor a son or daughter. You know what? Just a better person because that yearning inside will never go away and will only be satisfied when you let God lavishly love you. Let's bow our heads. Father, I sense the move of your Holy Spirit in the hearts of people right now. I know, dear God, that Scripture, truth, allows us to confront those areas of misstep. And some, Lord, listening to my voice here and, and back home or wherever they are on the other side of the camera, have never been able to realize this tugging inside for relationship, for love, was how you created them. And they've gone here, there, and everywhere, but not found that satisfying love. I pray today, Lord, on this Valentine's Day, 
on this day of passion, on this day of Saint Valentine's, that we might go to that place, that altar of brokenness, of confession, and allow you, Lord, to lavish us with, our, with love. That that, Lord, that that bathing in your love would be so powerful that starting today we will be transformed and the end product will be that we'll be better husbands and wives and fathers and brothers and sisters and grandfathers and grandmas and members of society. Help us, dear Lord, this day to realize that there is no greater love than you. And if we connect with you, all other loving relationships will be fulfilling. Let us stand throughout the sanctuary with your hands lifted up. And Father, I come before you right now to pray over this precious congregation. We cannot step forward, Lord, trying to do what we've done in the past. We lift up our hands and surrender to you. And we pray, Lord, right now that you will guide us and speak to our hearts. Instill in us, Lord, on this Valentine's Day what we need to hear and what we need to do to move forward. Help us, Lord, as a body to love one another, to be patient with one another, to keep no record of wrong, Lord, that we will follow that roadmap of 1 Corinthians 13 in loving ourselves, loving you, and as a result, loving others. I lift up my hands, Lord, and I bind and rebuke the powers of darkness, Lord, that will bring confusion. And I pray, dear Lord, that the light of the gospel will shine in the hearts and minds of people right now and that that light will bring deliverance in Christ's name. Chains broken, assumptions, Lord, neutralized, and that we would arrive on truth for our lives this day. Grant us the courage, Lord, to increase our capacity and allow you to do that. And grant us, Lord, the ability to walk in the fullness that you have for us today. I pray, thanking you always, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, lift up your hands, worship the Lord for a few moments.